Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Film Chat. This is our first podcast of 2015. We've got a whole year's worth of shows coming up. Oh, it's exciting. It's bloody exciting. Just to remind you what the podcast is about. Uh, this is a podcast about a man who kills his wife and makes it look like suicide by flinging her corpse off a tower in the presence of a detective with a fear of heights, who the man had previously hired to follow a woman disguised as his wife on the pretense that she was possessed by the ghost of her great-grandmother, Colotta Valdez. Did you get that? Uh, yeah. Oh, Damn, damn, I'm sorry, I misspoke. I actually summarised the plot of the 1958 Hitchcock classic Vertigo. Um, Easy mistake. If I recall correctly, this is a podcast about two men talking about and reviewing films. You got it. I'm Sam, and this is my hot-headed, glamorous co-star, Danny. You got it. Hi, Danny. You got it as as the sort of catchphrase I'm trying to pioneer this year. (laughs) (laughs) You got it. On this week's show, Sam, he'll be reviewing the latest family CGI fest, Big Hero 6. And we're both really looking at the heavily award-tipped film Birdman. Uh, we'll also be looking at the latest movie news and the trailer for the upcoming man-based film Ant-Man. What? That's what? weird. Fucking weird. It's a weird start to the year. Let's start the show. <laughs> films, 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 lots of films, 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 films. News time. News. What's the big news, Danny? Um, this week, exciting trailer-based news. The trailer for Ant-Man. Ant-Man. Came out. Um, the latest Marvel film starring Paul Rudd as Ant-Man. <laughs> uh, also as Michael Douglas. <laughs> I don't think Katie's enjoying that, that running gag. <laughs> but this is... Uh, it was quite interesting to see because this film's had a bit of a troubled history. Yeah. Because Edgar Wright was attached to direct and he'd co-written the script with he was working Cornish. on it for like seven years or something yeah I've been working it? on it since like after Shaun of the Dead yeah since pre-Marvel Universe yeah and apparently it's obviously as the Marvel Universe has expanded they've had to rewrite it so it kind of fits in with all this new stuff that's happening in Marvelville yeah they don't refer it to yeah and uh, Marvel. Marvel. 
nice. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they obviously parted company, apparently quite amicably. Uh, it's got this new director, Peyton Reed, who directed uh, the fantastic film Yes Man. Yes Man. So he's familiar with uh, syllable man films. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he did Bring It On and Down With Love. Remember that rom-com with Rennie Zellweger? He's got the perfect CV. Amazing. And uh, Joe Cornish and Edgar Wright retain a story credit, but now Adam McKay, the director and writer of Anchorman, and Paul Rudd have got the writing credits Were for they just now. like, bring me man film <laughs> yeah. to work on? <laughs> 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 just type in blank man into Google and see... Uh, so he's worked on a man-based film. Man-based film. So Anchor Man and Yes Man. Yeah. yeah. So it seems like the the re- reception for the movie has already been a bit tainted and the marveliness will make up some get some critical love behind it. Yeah. And they released this very uninspiring trailer <laughs> which consists of Michael Douglas giving this monologue and you just see shots of stuff and Paul Rudd has like two lines in it and there's not clear what the story is, what's going on, no. who Ant-Man is. You know, you know what I loved about the trailer? <laughs> there, there is no, like, you could apply that, that trailer, that film could be about absolutely anything until Michael Douglas says the words Ant-Man. Like, all he says up to that point is uh, is something, like, very, very generic, like, you're a special guy. You've got you've you've got a great history ahead of you. You know, that's total you nonsense. Can be a just hero. <laughs> you, you can be a hero. You can be the hero your daughter thinks you are, but you aren't yet. But you will become that in actuality. Yeah. And then he, he just... And then it's the shots of, like, Paul Rudd looking really serious. It looks like a... SNL like sketch for like generic yeah like, generic. hero film yeah or exactly and then like after a whole minute of this like nonsense of him just like looking serious being in prison leaving prison and while Michael Douglas is like talking he then says you can be Ant Man or something and then like it's like oh it's about Ant Man yeah but he could have just said Batman <laughs> like Superman you know, Superman Yes Man Anchorman Anchorman <laughs> it could have been absolutely anything. So Elephant Man. It's about a very particular thing, which is um, a guy who wears a suit that can shrink him to the size of an ant. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But why is this concept not really <laughs> introduced in the trailer for the film? Yeah, it's bizarre. It's like I kind of feel that when the film comes out, uh, if it's the reception's mixed, which is looking like it might be, it'll be all the good stuff was what Edgar Wright had written, and all the bad stuff is these people they've brought in That's to replace him. That's definitely what people will assume. Yeah. Which is a shame because. In the Marvel roster of heroes, they're quite similar. And what the character has going for it is like, it's quite a cool power. It's quite weird. Yeah. Because, you know, like, all their big heroes is sort of men who are good at punching things. Yeah, yeah. That's essentially it. But the actual Ant-Man power is quite cool. And I would advise people to try and find the leaked footage of Edgar Wright's his te- test. His test footage, yeah. Which, which is, is so much more exciting than that trailer. Yeah, the, yeah. If, yeah. If you want some Ant-Man excitement, you should check out that leaked footage because it's, you know, really cool like the way it's basically like a sort of fight scene with ant-man and yeah. these two security guards and he keeps on changing sides throughout the fight yeah then it's I don't know, well it's like the it's idea great. is that when he changes size he like retains his like momentum yeah so he he sort of uh jumps into the air as a fully sized man shrinks to the size of an ant lands on the guy's like shirt ant sized yeah. and then turns back into a fully sized man and then like flings a guy across like through a window or something <laughs> yeah, like yeah. that and it's, it looks really cool yeah and in this movie the most exciting thing ant-man does is ride a wasp <laughs> yeah i don't really understand like, what that is there's this, this is like epic shot of him riding a wasp and it's like you know is that that's a normal wasp right i don't know imagine if you could ride a wasp so small yeah 
I don't know. Are wasps just wanting to be like ridden? Well, if, you, if we were really tiny, they would just let us ride them whenever, yeah. wherever. When they sting us, they're just trying to get us to ride them. <laughs> but we're too big. <laughs> so sad. Final piece of news. The classic film, Twins in which Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito play twins, even Love though it. could they look more different? <laughs> I mean, are they even from the same country? No. Are they unlikely twins? Yes. Is this a great film? It is. <laughs> that was a tagline. <laughs> uh, has had a sequel sort of in development for several years. Um, obviously, it was called Triplets. Yeah. And currently, unfortunately, the sequel is now on the back foot. Um Ugh. But I had, wasn't aware of this. The news is now that it's not, you know, going ahead or it's been delayed oh, or something like that. That's a shame. But this is the first I'd heard of the film, and I was very excited to read the synopsis. I haven't seen Twins, but... Uh, oh, it's great. I'm, I'm, uh, have you seen it? Yeah, yeah. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it's pretty good. In a sort of non-ironic way? Uh, did, it, did it make you giggle? Yeah, it's funny. Danny DeVito is brothers with an Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. I'm already... Fantastic. I mean, hilarious well, premise. the inherent humorousness of that premise is taken to the next level in the sequel <laughs> Triplets. Let me read to you what Josh Gad is saying about his script for Triplets. Josh Gad is the voice of the snowman from Frozen, so obviously you'll be pretty excited to hear what he has to say about Triplets. Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger's lives have changed in that the two of them find themselves at a major crossroads where they've sort of grown apart over the years and what winds up bringing them together is a third brother they never knew they had who could potentially be played by Eddie Murphy. (laughs) The comic implications of this are obvious because he is black, right? Yeah. They're not black. How can they possibly be brothers? What's going on? There's a short white man who's American Yeah. and a a gigantic German man. (laughs) Austrian. Austrian, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, <laughs> so, excuse me. A gigantic Austrian man and a black American man. They're all what? The funniest thing about this is I'm pissing uh, myself. Eddie Murphy is like fifteen years younger than those two. It's like crossing all boundaries of like <laughs> even age, age, age even race, age height, not appearance. Working. Yeah. Um. So, and the other the other idea that Josh Gad has is there is currently a role in the movie where Arnold has a son that looks like Danny and Danny has a son that looks like Arnold. <laughs> Fantastic, right? It's a brilliant idea. Well, Arnie's love child looks just like him. Really? That's so, why I had to come out... That's why I had to finally fess up because he's like, I can't hide anymore. He's just a spitting image of me. Oh, right. So, so can they get that guy to yeah, play Danny DeVito? His secret son? love child could be Danny DeVito's... Yeah, uh, give, that, give that love child his big break. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was so inspired to hear about this that I was thinking about... You know, this movie is going to be a hit when it's oh, made, yeah. right? So they'll obviously make another movie. Yeah. And I was thinking about the plot of the next film, which would obviously be called Quadruplets. So this is my idea. In Quadruplets, Danny, Arnold and Eddie are all living together happily when their lives are thrown into chaos by the arrival of a woman claiming to be a fourth twin none of them ever knew, what? potentially played by Judy Dench. What do you think of that? Brilliant. By now, Danny has a daughter that looks like Judy... Arnie has a son who looks like Eddie. Eddie has a son who looks like Arnie. And Judy has a dog who looks like Danny. <laughs> Come on, it's going to be hilarious. Think, think it's amazing. of all the funny situations yeah. they get into. The four of them. With Dench, you get that sweet grey pound. I mean, that's just an ever of, like, 20 million on your box office receipts right there. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. They could even call it, like, the best exotic <laughs> marigold hotel in which... The quadruplets. The quadruplets live. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I like a title. Okay, so 
I was seeing beyond this. Yeah, that's going to be successful. That's going to be a hit. That's going to be it, right? That's going to be Avatar. Yeah. So how are they going to top it for the fifth film? Okay, I'll tell you. Okay, lay it on me. So in the fifth film, it turns out the quadruplet's father's sister... So their aunt yes. has quadruplets of her own. Oh, my God. These characters are introduced, and they are all identical copies of Eddie, Danny, Arnie, and Judy, <laughs> except the genders are reversed, so all the actors have to act with gender-swapped versions of themselves. Brilliant. It's like, um, what's that Adam Sandler Jack film? Jack and Jill. Jack and Jill, except instead of Adam Sandler, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito, Eddie Murphy, and Judy Dench, right? <laughs> Brilliant. What about the dog? Um... <laughs> Yeah, of course. Does that become a cat or yeah, like just a female Dench male equivalent? Yeah, has a yeah. I just a female dog. I mean, would that scan or we'll just look the wear, same dog? I guess we'll have to wear this out when we do the final draw. Okay, maybe. Yeah, yeah. The same dog, but with a bow, so you know it's a girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. And they argue all the time, right? Yeah. But there's no quin- quintuplet, so yeah. it can't be called that. So I've just called it Twins Too Furious. <laughs> <laughs> and I've even seen further than that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'm figuring for the sixth film, yeah. you just that's just a reboot of the first film yeah, of course. starring Peter Dinklage it. and Nikolai Costa Waldau. Yes. The obvious choices. So I'm the whole franchise I'm seeing, I think it's gonna be great. This is gonna be brilliant. Yeah. Or it could also be called The Amazing Twins. Nice. Yeah. So that's all <laughs> that's all the precognition. Yeah, yeah, it's news about what the films are going to be made yeah. in the next few years. News is the future. Mm-hmm. And that was the future. Ooh, time for a break from all the film chat. Have a cup of tea, maybe make a quick snack. And telephone friends so you know where she's at. Right, that's enough. Now back to film chat. Hi, everyone. Um, we have moved from our central film chat studio to our bit on the side. Um, yeah. This is where Danny and I meet our mistresses normally, but due to technical difficulties, we've had to um, turn this into a secondary studio. Um, yes. We're not at liberty to divulge exactly what happened, but let's just say don't buy your batteries in Poundland. <laughs> um, yes. But while we're here, it's the perfect opportunity for us to discuss the correspondence section, which this week didn't exist because no one sent us any letters yeah. or emails or Bebo. We opened the mailbox and there was just the sound of howling wind. So. <laughs> and a tumbleweed just yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah, just flew into my face. And so. a skull. Yeah. So to incentivize you all, we are offering signed goodies mm-hmm. to people who send us reading out worthy correspondence. Yeah, Film Chat just got a little more blue petery. Exactly. So. If you send us a letter or an email or a Bebo or a tweet, and if we read it out, we will send you a special Film Chat gift. So next week, anyone who writes in, assuming that we <laughs> like what you've written, you will get a signed photo exclusive from Film Chat. You won't get that from Brad. You won't get that from Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like your references are a little dated. <laughs> Exclusive signed goodies in return for correspondence. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. So. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one of a kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mobilize. Get writing. Review time. 
Review time. So, Big Hero 6 is a film I saw last Sunday. It's not out properly until the 30th of January, but they did a day of preview screenings, so we're getting a little... Early bird Early bird review, exactly. So, it's a new Disney film. It's the first Disney film based on a Marvel property since Disney acquired Marvel. So, it's an adaptation of a comic book, but it's quite a loose adaptation. So, if you're a big fan of the Big Hero 6 comic, and I know many of our listeners will be... Um, don't go in expecting to see that translated faithfully because it will be quite different. Yeah. So it's about a young boy. He's an inventor and a sort of robot engineer. He's a prodigy. I can relate to that. He's in. <laughs> uh, it's just it's pretty much like your upbringing, Danny. Yeah. Um, he's an orphan raised by his aunt, just as you were. Yes. Um, and he lives in a hybrid city called San Francisco, my hometown. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. Uh, make it obvious which two cities as a hybrid of but you know if you see the movie you'll find out and um he is spending all his time wasting his youth in robot fights illegal robot fights so his older brother who's also an inventor takes him to his laboratory and introduces him to all of his awesome uh robot engineer friends and also introduces him to his brother's own invention which is an adorable inflatable white robot called baymax who you might be familiar with from the posters and the trailers and uh after a disaster happens hero the young boy who's at the center of the story has to team up with all these robot engineers and uh, baymax in order to defeat a masked villain so that's the central idea Ooh, compelling yeah so um it's pretty good that's how i feel (laughs) about it it's quite good there's kind of two halves to the movie. One half is the uh, bunch of um, kids kidding themselves out with awesome robot technology and then like going to fight the bad guys. And there's like a sort of more action-oriented part. And the other part of it is a more Disney-esque, growing up, dealing with trauma type tale yeah. about the boy and his relationship with this inflatable uh, robot Baymax. Yeah. Um, and that part of the movie is kind of where you feel like that's where the filmmakers' hearts were, and that's the bit that works the best. Yeah, yeah. And the Baymax character is a really great invention. I think in the original comics, he's some something which Wikipedia refers to as a synth-former, and the picture they have of him <laughs> is like a... Uh, sort of, he looks like a green, like, lizard monster man. It's very different. And now he's... Um, cuter? He's much cuter. He's much friendlier. Um, he's totally unthreatening. He has this kind of naive, adorable perspective and is the source of a great deal of humour based both on his like inability to get jokes, you know, takes everything literally. And yeah. he's also giant and inflatable and so he's like always bumbling around and knocking into things and it's obviously hilarious. Yeah. There's a bit where he's low on battery and for a robot that's just it translates to drunk basically. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like mostly deflated. It's like it's like they watched the uh, Howl sequence in two thousand and one. Yeah. You know, where he's like singing Daisy Daisy, yeah. he sort of sounds like a drunk guy down the pub. Yeah, yeah. So, but, and then, so Baymax is like wandering around and hilarity ensues. Yeah. So, all that stuff is really great. And he like bonds with the boy and like oh. he's a, you know, helps him grow up and all that kind of thing. So, that's all fine. It's all like that quite shit. The Disney stuff. Yeah. And then all the action stuff is fine as well. Like, it's beautifully animated and everything. And the setting is quite cool, this like hybrid futuristic city. But it feels quite conventional, you know, it's just quite run-of-the-mill. It's a very, like, Saturday morning cartoon type thing. Yeah. It doesn't have that extra level of drama that you might have come to expect from, you know, Pixar-type output or, um, you know, there's been many great animated kids' movies recently. Yeah, yeah. And this one falls very firmly into the, like, four children camp. Sure. Both because it's got quite a sort of conventional story with, like, a, you know, mean villain who they've got to track down. 
Um, and also because the script is like four incredibly clunky, like <laughs> terrible lines, and the, you know the characters are a bit two dimensional and that sort of yeah. thing. Would you describe the film as ambiguous? Um, <laughs> I would describe the film as unambiguous. Oh, okay. I would say that it's pretty clear what's going on to most viewers all the time. Who are paying attention. Oh uh, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, they they if you ever in confu in like in any state of confusion about the events of the film, one of the characters will very shortly afterwards explicitly tell you what's going on. That's helpful. Yeah, it's very helpful. <laughs> very helpful, but it doesn't make for the most like dramatically fun. Yeah, yeah. So um so yeah, I, I broadly speaking, I'd recommend it, especially if you have a child. Um, Which I do. Yeah, of age. <laughs> this film sounds perfect for you, Danny. Yeah. It'll be nostalgic because it'll be like watching your own growing up. Yeah. And in addition so to good. which, your own uh, nine-year-old boy um, hero. Yeah. Which is, you know... What I call him. What you call him. Because that's what he will become. <laughs> I might be living through him slightly, vicariously. Yeah. Your son, Hero Champion, is going to really, really enjoy this. Oh, you better enjoy it. Yeah. Hero Champion Spielberg Moran. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so go see it if you like, or or don't if you if you, if you prefer not to. My favorite film stars Bridget Bardo. She's the queen, but she wants to be in radio. So she starts a podcast with her friends, and the terrorists try to stop her, but she beats them in the end. So, Birdman. 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 Strangely titled film. The uh, you know heavily award tipped movie mm-hmm. by heavily Al- acclaimed. Heavily acclaimed. By Alejandro G. Naruto, mm-hmm. director of uh, 21 Grams and Amoris Perros and Babel and Beautiful. 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 With Javier Bardem. Beautiful. Which I never saw, but had like a hilarious trailer where he's talking about how much uh, everything is great, well, beautiful, why don't I mean? Something like that. His, his movies, uh, prior to this one, have come with a lot of um, importance, you know? Yeah. 21 Grams is an ironic name, but it's like a heavy film. <laughs> um. Nice. <laughs> Anyway, I haven't seen any of those films. They're all mega serious. I've seen Amoris Paras and Babel. And Babel got kind of mixed reviews. Um, I know uh, Mark Kermode found it like unbearably um, self-important and weighty. Um, and I thought it was like okay, but it certainly is like in, you know, intensely serious and like re- everything is super important that happens. Yeah. Amoris Paras, I remember thinking, was really good. Yeah. Well, this one's apparently... Well, I have no idea, but it's a gear shift in tone. Yeah, no, it's it is. It's much lighter. Is. Yeah. And the plot... It's much lighter on its feet. The plot is Michael Keaton plays this actor, Regan Thompson, who 20 years ago starred in this comic book franchise called Birdman. Yeah. Birdman. Uh, and Michael Keaton played Batman. So what's that about? Weird. Weird. And the plot of the movie is he's launching a show on Broadway, which he's written in, sorry, written, starred, it's starring and is directing and yeah. producing. He's kind of put like... He's the man. He's, he's, doing, the man. he's doing a Robert Rodriguez, except he's also starring in it. <laughs> and... Uh, as the the film documents all the sort of pitfalls of him trying to put this production on, and he's also sort of haunted by the Birdman character. It's sort of yeah, quite literally haunted by literally the haunted by the Birdman character, and he's just sort of him trying to get some artistic integrity while sort of having an existential crisis. Mm-hmm. It's been a lot of a critical love for this film, but I do not like mm, it. Not as much love from Danny. Yeah. I mean, when we recorded this first, I think I went a bit overboard about how much I disliked it. Mm. And afterwards, I was like, do I dislike it that much? And I still do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I have to struggle with my convictions. So there are bits in the movie I really like. I think uh, no one can argue with the fact that it's brilliantly acted by everyone involved in it. Yeah. And Michael Keaton's really good. And uh, Edward Norton is hilarious. He's playing a sort of 
almost like a parody of like a method actor. Yeah, he's known for being difficult to work with, right? Yeah, he's a method actor himself. Yeah, so there's a bit of I don't know ironic casting there, and there are very like funny moments in the film. I really enjoyed. They're like the one that's sort of in the feature of the trailer is Michael Keaton's sort of semi-naked stroll around Times Time Square. Square. Yeah, and the, the sort of moments that he worked for me were just the sort of um, out and out there comic beats. Yeah, but I think that like that is certainly true of like the first half of the movie but it's much more focused on the sort of character study of this man's sort of slowly breaking apart well because because in the movie he is like it sort of documents him over the course of a breakdown yeah so as that becomes more and more pronounced then the movie is like less funny because it's like his sort of mental instability becomes more obvious yeah basically my main problem with the film is it's very sort of arch and like all the characters a cliched like they're almost like the characters are described by you know there's the method actor there's the washed up actor there's the snooty critic there's the yeah. exasperated producer mm-hmm. and they don't really uh develop the much, drug addict daughter they don't really yeah. develop much from that well he's got like everyone around him is exactly the person that you'd expect to be around this like washed up movie star yeah you know like the young hotshot actor and like his daughter is like a mess and his wife kind of hates him blah 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 yeah, and basically I found that aspect of the movie just made me kind of impossible to engage with the characters because there's a sort of level of kind of knowing uh, artificiality to it, mm. which I sort of distanced me and I also found sort of increasingly a bit annoying. I mean, I, I don't think... I, I definitely enjoyed the movie more than you did. I really liked it pretty much the whole way through. But I, I don't think that it was... Um, it's not really deep film. I don't think it makes any really profound arguments and... I mean, if it was um, aiming to be a movie that makes some really powerful statements, I don't think that it succeeded because I don't think that it does. It does what it does well is sort of slightly vapid, messed up people shouting at each other and having problems, you know. And that's yeah. like that's pretty much what the movie is, and I think it does it does that like excellently. But I don't I don't think if you're going into it looking for some deeper meditation on what it means to be a successful actor or to struggle with, you know your personal demons or I don't think that that's really in there yeah just the the whole film is like it's so literal and we mentioned he's like he's literally haunted by uh his past past character yeah like literally (laughs) and uh I just found it slightly like all the characters say exactly what they're feeling and thinking all the time and it was just a bit sort of on the nose and also think it um it's just over long like it's quite over long I I didn't I didn't feel that um, we should mention a couple of things about it. First of all, it's very technically proficient, and there's a kind of filming gimmick which is quite central to the film, which is that the whole thing has been made as if it was one long continuous take. The, the movie opens with um, Michael Keaton meditating about five feet off the floor in his pants while Birdman talks to him. Then the the whole scene afterwards is in a single take, and you're like, wow, so it starts with one long take, but then it slowly becomes obvious that that is the entire film. There is... Almost no obvious like cut in the film until right at the end, yeah. When there are a couple of them, and uh, but that's like it's really really well done. It's really impressive, yeah. Um, and the other the other thing that I think we should discuss is the kind of fantasy aspects to the film because uh, they get more pronounced as his mental state becomes more unstable. But he kind of believes himself to have superpowers, um, and. I didn't. I thought it was pretty unambiguous that it was just in his mind, but I've read some reviews which seem to think that maybe he really does have them, or that it's left unclear, what? or that it's <laughs> that it's some kind of, like, 
you know, deliberately ambiguous metaphysical statement or something. Right. Um, but did you think it was just in his mind? It seemed like uh, that to me. Yeah, I thought it was in his mind. Yeah. With regards to, like, the one-shot thing, I think um, it was really impressive. And it's, it really worked for the sort of movement scenes. Well, like, there's a lot going on. And it reminded me a bit of uh, Punch Drug Love, which is mm. a similar um, sort of percussion-based soundtrack and uh, sort of beat, it is a bit like which is that, like yeah. the sort of inner emotions of the character and like while he's trying to keep his shit together yeah 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 the music and it goes always, in overload like in Punch Drunk Love it definitely there's that sense that things are about to fall apart yeah, yeah. but um I mean just because I'm less keen on the film I think it quickly establishes a rhythm where like scenes are going to last a long time it's like when he goes into his like dressing room it's like oh god I'm going to be here for five minutes <laughs> not, not every scene lasts a long time I don't think but I you know what I mean like What's uh, maybe what's admirable about the film is you know it kind of like really bet on it you know they can't reach they just delivered the they script they can't cut any they scenes, can't cut the any scenes yeah and, you know and they just went for broke which yeah. is admirable but I mean I could have cut some I mean maybe just I would have I would have found it quite funny if he just like suddenly halfway through the movie it did start cutting stuff as yeah. like well you could you just have to do reshoots I guess because like because of the central idea you know it's, it, you can't just transition you can't just cut from one scene to another you got to work out how that's going to happen. Yeah, someone had to figure that out in every case. Yeah. That itself is kind of an enjoyable part of the movie. Just yeah. watching it on just purely that level of like how they put this puzzle together it was good. I enjoyed that. I know. I had a lot of fun. I I really had fun watching it. I I don't, you know, I I know that you, you found it annoying, but I think most people probably enjoy it. But I think most people are idiots, Sam, <laughs> and I'm a genius. No, but it's the thing. It's okay? not a great. It's not a great piece of drama. Yeah, but like, but it's fun. Yeah, it's it's fun when it's like a comedy because none of the characters are likable, so you can laugh at them. But then I think the movie wants you to get invested in the character's emotional journey, and I just just couldn't. He's like a terrible father, husband. He's not not even clear if he's a good actor or not. Yeah, I mean, like, no, it's why, not. why do you, why do you care if he succeeds or not? Like, I just I didn't I can really well. I... I can only speak for myself, Ed. I didn't particularly care about whether he succeeded or not, but I found it yeah. entertaining to watch nevertheless. Okay. So, there we have it. Idiot. Idiot. <laughs> so, well, that was the last episode of Film Chat. That almost tore Film Chat apart, that one. That was really fractious. That was, that was, our, that was a. This is our first disagreeing of a first film. First disagreeing. This is like Cicel yeah. and Ebert. Yeah. They were disagreeing about shit. And, you know, but even then, I feel like we have similar assessments in the movie, but we kind of put emphasis on different things. Oh, God. Maybe we'll, you know, maybe when Night of Cups comes out, we'll, we'll have yeah. a really, I'll just fucking hate it, and you'll think it's, like, incredible or something. Yeah. I love Night of Cups. I love Cups. I yeah. love Christian Bale. Yeah. I love trees. <laughs> I fucking love trees. Every time there's a tree in a movie, I just shit my pants in joy. So, Terrence Malick is just my favourite <laughs> director. So, in our Christmas episode, we mentioned our top tens of 2014, and two of those films, Leviathan and What We Do in the Shadows, are playing at the Prince Charles Cinema in Leicester Square all I next week. I saw Leviathan at the Prince Charles last week, and it was really good. Really I saw it. What We Do in the Shadows last week at the Prince Charles. And did you like that? I did like it. Probably not as much as you. Oh, okay. Let's not get into it. But, um... And this is why this is the last episode <laughs> of Film Chat. Anyway, if you're in London, you should check them out. Yeah, it's very uh, inexpensive for London as well. Yeah, Prince Charles, especially if you go in the morning. Anyway, we also discussed the movies looking forward to in 2015, or at least Danny had a list of movies, but I didn't hadn't prepared one myself. But yeah. I've made up for that. So now I have 
Luke's Awards coming out in 2015, and I have all the films that I'm looking forward to most, okay? Some of these have flown under the radar a little bit, so well, you might not be familiar with them, Danny. But... Enlighten me. Okay. Here they are. One of the movies I'm looking forward to is Ricky Parvenu. This is a uh, film starring Keanu Reeves as an aging mod rocker. Um, he's now a police superintendent in Woking who has to investigate the suspicious death of Peter Townsend. It sounds wow. really exciting. I'm a big The Who yeah. fan, so I'm yeah. definitely putting that in my diary. You should, yeah, yeah. And it's directed by Peter Townsend <laughs> as well. So he directs yeah. his own corks, which yeah. is, is always. I think he's a better director than guitarist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put it out there. Yeah, well, um, I've, this film will probably d- demonstrate that conclusively. Um, I'm also looking forward to Constant Need. That's a, uh, Kevin Costner playing a hitman with a bladder infection. <laughs> Sounds like it's going to be good. Sounds good. Where's Dakota Fanning? It's a bit of a postmodern, ironic film yeah. about the hunt for Dakota Fanning, who she goes missing. Um, <laughs> don't know much more about it. Uh, <laughs> the Prophet Muhammad so-and-so is Ridley Scott's next biblical epic. Well, it's yeah. not biblical, it's... Um, Chronicle? Is that a term? Yeah, let's say it's it a is. Chronicle epic about the birth of Islam, starring Alec Baldwin as the Prophet Muhammad so and so. It's going to be brilliant. Brilliant. All the accusations of whitewashing were already flooding in, but Alec Baldwin is wearing a lot of makeup in the film, so I'm not sure they're going to fly. Another film that looks really exciting is Robo Rush. That's a universe crossover. What Sony is doing is teaming up Robocop with Joseph Gordon Levitt's cyclist character from the 2012 film Premium Rush. Wow. That was a mega hit. I'm sure you've all seen it. Yeah. Only about um, a billion times. And now he's, and now he's uh, teaming up with Robocop. Um, for some reason, another film is coming out this year, also featuring Joseph Gordon-Levitt, cyclist <laughs> hero from the 2012 film Premium Rush. That's called Dracula Ride Like Hell. I'm also really excited wow. about that. Luke Evans as Dracula. It's a sequel to Dracula Untold. He was brilliant in that film. Yeah. yeah. It was amazing. Dracula Untold is the story that needed to be told. Yeah. And Dracula Ride Like Hell needs to be told even more. So, <laughs> <laughs> looking forward to that one. It needs to be told like hell. <laughs> Molten Beans, that's an animated film about the bacteria that live on coffee beans. I think it's going to be good. Timely. Interesting idea. Yeah. <laughs> Hipsters will love it. Um, hipster Children, um, that one's aimed at. Meet the Scruples. Sorry, Hipster Children is not another film. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the audience. New, uh, that's Jason the, Reitman that's film. That's the audience for <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Meet the Scruples, I'm quite excited for. That's uh, about a wealthy banker marrying into a family of occupied protesters. Sparks will fly. Yeah, sparks will fly. It's hilarious. It's political. It's going to be brilliant. Oh, I can't wait. Finally, uh, my horror pick of the year is Twitter's fear. Like fear is in being afraid. Twitter's fear. Wow. Yeah. It's, re- it's so 2015. Shit, man. It's about a mysterious Twitter account that sends out loads of really funny, witty tweets, but anyone who retweets them dies a few days later. Shit. Yeah. Sends you a personal message in Twitter saying you're going to die, oh. and then you do. Hashtag excited. Not yeah. That one. <laughs> Hashtag terrifying. Hashtag exciting, though. Yeah. So, those are my picks of 2015. Can't wait. Thanks, everyone, for joining us from the um, side studio foxhole chalet that we've set ourselves up in for the second half of the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the first podcast of 2015. We really enjoyed recording it twice. Loved it. And to play us out is a little sneak peek at what you can look forward to from Film Chat in 2015. Let's hear it. Have you seen Russell Crowe's arse lately? That guy is in great shape. I love Reese Witherspoon. Well, JJ, it's been an absolute pleasure, and I'm sorry that you didn't say anything we can broadcast. Worst Star Wars 
ever! I can't believe Ray Fiennes is dead. Like, I can't believe Helena Bonham Carter is dead. I can't believe Johnny Depp is dead. I can't believe Brad Pitt is dead. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 